Welcome back to The Short Game, a show where we talk about short video games. The kind of thing you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend. Video games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by one awesome co-host this week, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing pretty well. And uh, this week, we are going to have a quick episode, um, because we're just really chatting briefly about one game that really only one of us have played. Uh, you're basically going to listen to me telling Laura a little bit about Momodora 4. Selling it so hard, Dragon. Yeah, really selling it. Um, before we dive in, I am still totally high on The Ghost Post, which just arrived in my mailbox today. This is one of the most exciting oh. things that has happened to me in a long time. I, I, I saw this because I, I, I'm so glad that I happened to notice a tweet by, I think it was Cable Sasser from, uh, from Panic and Firewatch, uh, tweeted about this a few days before my wife's birthday. Some of you may be aware that my wife, Jamie, uh, she's super into The Haunted Mansion from uh, Disney, obviously. And uh, they had this sort of... Uh, is a limited uh, subscription box thing, limited to 999 mortals. And uh, I happened to get in on it, and it's a three-month thing where they send you three boxes with Haunted Mansion stuff in it. I'm so jealous. But it's this actually... Is, this is right up my alley. Oh, I know, right? I... It's, it's actually, like, a, it's actually like, a, um, like an ARG. Like, it's a, it's a game. It's not just a bunch of Haunted Mansion knickknacks they send you every month for three months. It's a game with ghosts. I did the like I've done a couple ARDs. I did a little bit of the Dark Knight one, um, but I'm the Haunted Mansion theming is so in my bag. If we were to register for plates, I would probably be registering for the Haunted Mansion. Oh man, plate set, but we're not. Actually, speaking of, because the 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 one of the items, the haunted items that came in our ghost post was a uh, haunted teacup with the Haunted Mansion pattern on the sides. How do you haunt a teacup? Well, I I guess so th- it has a plot, you know, the premise, if you will, is that the Haunted Mansion, you know, when you go and visit the Haunted Mansion, the ghosts come home with you, as they say in the Haunted Mansion. Well, apparently there's a deep fog surrounding the mansion, an ethereal fog that's preventing the ghosts from leaving the mansion, and uh, and they're very upset about this. That same thing happens in Luigi's Mansion, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty much Luigi's Mansion, yeah. And, uh, and they're... The ghosts want to leave, and they can't, and they're sending you this package in the hopes that you'll solve the mystery of why By they ghost can't. ghost post. Yes. And, uh, and the, 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 the teacup, for example, has a little, like, mirrored stripe around the outside, and if you set it down on a particular part of the, uh, of the uh, ghostly gazette that they send you, then you get a reflected message. And there's a bunch of other little hidden messages. It's all about hidden messages. And the very coolest thing is that there's an app associated with this. They've written a pretty well-designed little app that you you slide your phone into a special cardboard radio, and then you use these little widgets that they send you to tune the radio. So you actually, I, I have no idea how they did this because actually, like this, you stick this thing in a little hole in the cardboard radio right next to your phone, but not touching it, and you tune the little 
like you turn a little bat sculpture in a little hole in the cardboard radio and it tunes the radio. I have no idea how it's connecting to your phone. It's it's like it must be some sort of like low energy Bluetooth or something, but you didn't do any pairing. It's very yeah. cool. I don't know how they manage it. It's it anyway, long story it's short. Magic. Uh, it's magic. There are ghosts in my house. I'm talking to them on the radio. It's really, really rad. And uh, there's two more boxes yet to come. So I'm pretty psyched about it. I'll probably post some photos in the show notes. Please do. That is, I am, I wrote in our chat that I was looking for a jealousy emoji for like 10 minutes because I, I couldn't over, I could not contain um, my joy at the idea of a ghost post. I kind of lucked out on this one because uh, I didn't know much about it until I happened to see a couple of odd tweets about it and they didn't really advertise it or anything. And um, it popped up and I happened to get on it just in time before the 999 mortals beat me to it. And uh, and so far, Jamie seems to be enjoying it. And that was the whole – it was really – it was a gift for her for her birthday, but really it's for me. So we're enjoying it together. What have you been up to, Laura? What have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Oh, so rad. Similar ghostly theme. Um, and I had a lot of uh, – a very odd time in a game store where someone was uh, – uh, the cops were called because someone wouldn't leave. Huh? And then I was just standing there trying to like buy my game very awkwardly. But I made it <laughs> home after about 20 minutes of just awkwardly standing in the game store while someone was getting arrested. I made it home with my copy of Dark Moon. Um, the most delightful thing about it is that uh, Luigi occasionally sings along to the soundtrack while you're playing. <laughs> um The 3D on it's awesome. Um, it's one of the best games for the 3DS. And... Uh, I'm new to the to the series. I've never played a Luigi's Mansion game. Um, Me neither. Yeah, so basically Mario's a plumber. Luigi is a ghost vacuumer. Okay. He's got a vacuum, the poltergust, um, and he walks around with this, uh, you know, uh, Professor uh, Egon-type guy, uh, sends him out, and he vacuums up coins and uh, ghosts and spiders. Is it a platformer, or what sort of gameplay is it? 3D. So you basically walk around an environment, and um, it, there's no jumping. It's mostly just uh, investigating different objects. Um, there's lots of... Basically, you have a couple controls moving around, investigating, um, and then using your uh, suck and blow actions on the vacuum to either you know pick up objects or shoot them across the room. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of little puzzles with water or plants. Um things hanging from the ceiling. You also eventually get this um, dark ray where you can change things that are hidden, you know, hidden mm. objects. Lots of hidden ghosts, lots of kind of that, uh, it's not fights, but the little kind of puzzle items where you are trying to outwit the ghosts so you can suck them into your vacuum cleaner. Mm. Very odd theming. Honestly, go- ghostly theming, like, I love ghosts. The ghosts are the best thing ever, so I'm sold already. And kid ghosts are fun. There's been there's one level that's actually creepy. So about two or three mansions in, because you're clearing the fog from each mansion as you get dark moon pieces, there's a room with a doll in the center whose head turns around, and very minor spoilers for a puzzle in the middle of the game. You look in a dollhouse window, and you see the room you're in, 
and you see like you know a bunch of um, jack-in-the-boxes and it'll tell you where the ghost is hiding but the entire time you're solving this puzzle there's a my size Barbie doll basically with a head that turns all the way around so wherever you are in the room it tracks you (laughs) and there's a rocking horse in the corner that's rocking and I don't know why they made one creepy level in Luigi's Mansion but it's there gave me nightmares as an adult (laughs) and I'm okay with that I'm comfortable in my um, my adulthood and my ability to handle children's games yeah, there's a good reason that we haven't covered any horror games on this show. Since Until Dawn. I mean, Until Dawn kind of it's counts. It's not scary. It's, it's more jump scares. Yeah, and even then, it's like a... Uh, it's barely it's barely scary. But like, I'm really thinking of things like... like I, I thought about covering... I thought, of, thought we might want to do an episode on Soma or on... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, gosh, what's the one? It starts with an Any- A. Amnesia. Amnesia. Yeah, thought about covering both of those, but I have wimped out on all of them because I can't handle it. I just can't handle it. It's just it's just some people love those kinds of games. I can barely manage to play through a level without going and, you know, standing in the sunlight and trying no, to forget. I really love them. I just have nothing to say on them. The nice thing about something like Luigi's Dark Mansion is it's very Haunted Mansion-esque. It's silly. Mm. It's got ghostly themes. Um, and it's spooky. But it's not actually scary. <laughs> See, that's unless... what I love. I love spooky. I don't love scary. <laughs> yeah. Also on the cute front, um, I've been playing... Um, I don't know if you mentioned Tiny Thief on the show before, but it's a little um, kind of... Robin Hood-esque themed uh, little puzzler where you are doing a little bit of point-and-click adventure game. Everything's on one screen, but you're basically affecting the environment and going through, and you're kind of um, stealing stuff. Now, that game's no longer supported because the game studio got bought, but the people who did it did a new game that just came out called Love You to Bits, where you play, and this is right up Short Games Alley, you play a guy named Nova who is rescuing his robot girlfriend who's been put into pieces. So you're getting little bits of mm. his robot girlfriend back. Aww. Uh, and it's for iPad, and it's delightful. That sounds um, really adorable. A lot of video game references, too. I, I may have to check that out. Is it only on iPad or other iOS devices, too? Like, they have I- iPhone? It's also available on iPhone. Okay, because that makes it easier for me these days. I, I have an iPad, but I got the old butt I- iPad. I only play on my iPhone these days because... But you also mm, have a giant iPhone. Yeah, I know. There's really no point in playing on an iPad when you have the like ipad size iPhone that makes you walk funny because you can't fit it in your pocket right. Yeah, but this is just an adorable game. There's lots of little, you know, um, tap and click things. So if you have a big enough phone to play it, um, it's about four bucks and it's completely worth it. Okay, I'll check that out. Sounds awesome. Um, this week for me, or actually last week for me, was uh, sunk into a game that I guess was the main game I wanted to talk a little bit about this week, although you haven't had a chance to play it, so I'll kind of be monologuing a little, forgive me. Uh, I played all the way through uh, Momodora. Uh, actually, this is the fourth Momodora game, Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. And the Momodora games are a bit of a weird thing. Um, these had been completely off my radar. I had never even heard of them uh, until uh, Christian wrote into the show 
Uh, we've corresponded with Christian a little bit over uh, over Twitter. Uh, Christian runs a little uh, indie game blog called Indie Game Enthusiast, and I totally recommend checking him out. He's IG underscore enthusiast on Twitter, uh, and I'll try to have a link to his blog in the, in the show notes. Uh, he does a great job of covering some really sort of flying under the radar indie games. And actually, he does a he covers the whole gamut. His blog is pretty darn solid. So thank you, Christian, for writing in. And he recommended we check out Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight, something that I would never have heard of any other way. A few blogs have an article or two here or there. PC Gamer had an article. Um, uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun had a short article that was basically like, why hadn't we heard of Momodora before? And uh, long story short, the Momodora series, what's really interesting about this isn't so much that it's a new indie game from a studio that nobody has heard of. What's really interesting is that it is the fourth indie game in a long-running series of indie games from a studio that no one has heard of that suddenly came onto people's radars. And just the idea that this this small team of people could be uh, you know, diligently working on a series of games and finally crack the nut and manage to get some press on a series that's been running for four games kind of caught my interest. I was really interested in in what it was about this fourth game in this series that brought it onto people's radars. So Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight is a very short uh, Metroidvania style game. And it's got a really beautiful pixel art style. They've really clearly been refining their pixel art style. I wouldn't say it's especially unique looking, uh, but it is really competently done. So if you take a look at it, you're going to be reminded immediately of some of the games from uh, studios like uh, like Tribute Games. Um, hmm. it, it really reminded me a little bit visually of um, a game that I played a lot of of theirs called um, Curses and Chaos. But the the sprite style is a little more SNES-y style. It reminds me a bit more of like that cross with maybe a cave story or some of the really sort of finer uh, SNES uh, sprite styles. I've heard it compared to cave story in the past. I'm, I'm curious, you said it's the fourth in a series. Um, is there a storyline continuing or is it kind of like a scapegoat, a scapegoat two where it's <laughs> or for those who haven't played that game, kind of like Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. They're basically the same thing remade. Is it that kind of style? It's or kind it... of that, as far as I can tell. Okay. I haven't played Momodora 1 through 3. Um, 1 and 2 are totally free. Uh, you can download them on itch or itch.io. Um, the third one, Momodora 3, is available pretty cheap on Steam and also, I think, on itch.io. And then, surprisingly enough, Momodora 4, Reverie Under the Moonlight, was picked up by an actual publisher, Playism. Um, and so they uh, that's only available on Steam as far as I know. But I think Momodora 4 is a prequel to the other ones. And there's clearly some kind of a plot and some kind of a game world at play here. You know, characters have names and there are events taking place. To be perfectly honest, I have no idea what was going on. I played the entire way through this game. I got two different endings, enjoyed it really a lot, but I have I, I couldn't tell you what was happening in terms of the plot. So if you're if you're interested in a game that tells a deep and involving story, Maybe you can understand it, but I did not. Um, that's not really why I enjoyed this game. Um, you are playing as a, a white-robed and hooded priestess who's coming from a faraway town, 
and she's coming to a haunted or otherwise corrupted city. And the city is under the rulership of an evil queen. And that's pretty much the whole story that you get. To um, a cleansing cleric, basically? Exactly, yeah. You're the cleansing cleric. And uh, one interesting quirk or twist, I guess, which isn't uh, a huge gameplay thing, but is really neat in, in a visual way, is that your weapon is a leaf. You fight with a sort of a red maple leaf that you flip around and use as a sort of a sword. Um, so the little cleric, just sort of exploring this game world and in a very Metroidvania style, you're picking up new powers and new items. And the powers are things like an orb that lets you turn into a cat, which is sort of equivalent to uh, Samus's uh, morph ball kind of move. And there's other things too, like lots of really neat little power-ups and add-ons that let you explore the space in new ways, you know, things like double jumps, but more creative stuff as well. Yeah, so tonally is it, uh, it sounds pretty straightforward. It's not like goofy, like guacamole. I'm trying to figure out where it falls in the um, the stylistic feel because we got like Ori, which is all about fluidity. Mm-hmm. What's What does the gameplay feel like? It seems to take itself very seriously. Okay. And its gameplay style is very focused on combat. Okay. And this is where it really shined. Like its combat is super fun. Um, but I, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Dark Souls and I hate those sorts of comparisons, mostly because I'm one of those losers that hasn't actually played Dark Souls. And I think literally everything is being compared to Dark Souls these days. And I am... A good way to sell games. I, it must be. Um, but I think what they mean by that in this case is that it's very... The, the difficulty is pretty high. You know, it's... Uh, it, but I wouldn't exactly call it punishing because it places really conveniently and thoughtfully placed checkpoints throughout the game. And worst case scenario, if you die, you're set back to one and there's really no lasting consequences from death. It's apart from just having to play the same area again. But really, it's all about studying each of the enemy types and learning what their moves are. They all move in very predictable but very unique ways. And they all have their own unique attacks. And it's all about learning to avoid them. You have, a, for example, a dodge roll that you can use to avoid attacks and... You can do combos to to attack the enemies. So the com- the combo-based stuff, the, the combat, is all really fun. It's really, really well done. It does have a certain... It, it has some qualities that I would, I would say are something that, depending on your personal tastes, may or may not appeal to you. And as a warning, uh, if you don't particularly like the sort of anime-inspired aesthetic, it has a bit of that in a very pixel art style. So I I find actually that like stuff that's very anime-inspired doesn't so much appeal to me, but stuff that's anime-inspired through the lens of pixel art does kind of work for me for whatever reason, no explanation. Um, This works for me. I think the pixel art looks really cool, but it does have some stuff like a boss fight where you're literally fighting a giant woman and most of your most of your attacks are directed at her giant, slightly jiggling breasts. I saw that in the trailer. There's lots of swiping at boobs and then the boobs bounce. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fight the boobs, bounce the boobs with your sword. It's uh, that's Lubella, the witch. She's she's a early game boss. That's actually a pretty fun boss fight. But I did have a bit of an inward groan there. So if that is the sort of thing that interrupts your enjoyment of a game, maybe give this one a skip. But I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's it's also just sort of interesting to see a game kind of just barely cross that threshold from 
micro indie. Like I think of things like uh, things that come out on itch.io or that people release on their own website. These sort of passion projects that don't really see commercial release. Um, I think those are really interesting, but it's also really fascinating to see a game cross that boundary and move from the uh, the sort of personal passion project of a small group of people. Uh, Bomb Service, the the developers of this game, are basically, uh, as far as I can tell, they're they're you know just enthusiast developers who've created this game studio and created this game series entirely because that's what they are interested in doing. This is the game that they wanted to make. And this is the first game from that studio that's kind of crossed the boundary over into full commercial release with a actual publisher. And honestly, it's I've had a ton of I had a ton of fun playing it. I really enjoyed it. Um, they have nailed the gameplay. I think they maybe need a little bit more uh, in terms of story in order to kind of hold the attention of people who play for that reason. But if you enjoy a 2D platformer with Metroidvania kind of style, um, for its combat, this is a really good game to check out. And it's nice. on Steam, and uh, it only costs about 10 bucks. So I would totally recommend it. The art yes. is really solid, and the gameplay is really, really good. And How I, long I can't does wait. it take? Oh, uh, I think it took me about five hours, okay. which is actually including having to kind of backtrack quite a bit because there's a bad ending and a good ending. And mm. um, I didn't. I got what I guess was the the bad ending um, after playing through it. And that was without any guides. I played through this starting pretty early after it was released. And there's not a lot of, like, game facts or anything about it out. Um, yeah, indies generally don't. If Well, if you have a micro indie like this, I wouldn't expect anyone to have a game facts walkthrough. Yeah. Um, fortunately, like, I, I, I completely – I got the bad ending. And I was actually really confused about it. It seemed like – it seemed like the game wasn't truly done. Like it really did seem like a sort of incomplete ending. And um, so I eventually found there was a nice post on the um, the Steam forum, and I'll link to that too, that explained how to get a different ending. And I wouldn't even necessarily call it the good ending, but it's the true ending. Um, I had to backtrack, find an item that I hadn't found. I don't know how someone would have found it without a bit of a hint. It was pretty buried. So um, once I found that item, uh, then I was able to complete the game, beat the final boss a second time. Altogether, I'd say before that sort of second try, it was maybe three and a half hours and altogether maybe five. So a pretty short game considering that it's a Metroidvania and games that require a lot of backtracking typically. And it sounds pretty linear, not too sandboxy, based on the fact that you you said the you didn't find the item right away. Right. It's it's okay. it's I wouldn't say linear exactly, but it's linear for a Metroidvania. For a Metroidvania, yeah. Yeah. For There's, something that involves backtracking and revisiting locations, it's on the linear side. Yeah. Okay. But I mean it does things that I really appreciated. For example, it has a really well designed map that makes sense and that you can read. Um, you know, and you can tell where you are. It doesn't have big blinking objective symbols on the map. You have to read the map and make decisions for yourself about what you need to get and where. Um, but it makes it easy to navigate. And it's a relatively small space. Um, so you can really get your head around it within that five hour period. So I, um, I'd say the, the biggest complaints I had about the game was I felt, felt like that the, uh, the sort of true ending wasn't signposted well enough. I, I didn't feel like it was a choice. It was kind of like, 
you finish the game, but you haven't finished it until you do some Google searching and find what you missed. Um, but also, it's Windows only. Um, I'm sure that you know, given the the small development team and everything, that's probably a a, a pretty reasonable restriction. But um, there's no Mac version. If you want to play this, uh, you're probably going to need to boot into Windows if you're a Mac person. Um, but I did, and I'm really glad that I did. It was uh, it was super fun. And um, thank you very much to uh, listener Christian for uh, for recommending it. Uh, we we get a lot of little emails recommending things, but this is the first time in a while that I've seen something recommended that I've literally never heard of before, played it, and really enjoyed it. So, A+. Yeah, we're working slowly on our taxonomy of Metroidvanias. Um, so it sounds like this one is... You know, the serious, mostly linear, uh, five hours, and anime style. <laughs> yeah. So fills a lot of little niches we haven't quite covered in a while. So next week we're going to be sort of going back to an older game, um... And that's Sword and Sorcery. Uh, this is a game that has literally been on my iPhone for probably five years. I think I bought this game day I one. I bought it the week it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know why this is, but I never got around to playing it until recently. So I feel really bad about that. But I read a wonderful article from The Verge that was sort of a five-year retrospective on the game. And it sort of reignited for me like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to play this for literally five years. Why haven't I gotten around to it yet? So we're going to be talking about this game, Sword and Sorcery. It's been pretty influential, at least in its art style. I remember when it came out initially, it was like really striking. What is this game? This looks really unique and unusual. And here we are five years later, and we're seeing its effects on all sorts of pixel art style. Like, for example, I just picked up and started playing um, Hyperlight Drifter. And Hyperlight Drifter, like, really seems to be influenced by the particular unusual pixel art style sort of i wouldn't necessarily say pioneered by but certainly certainly demonstrated by sword and sorcery so we're going to be talking about that game and um if you're interested join us next week uh laura where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And, of course, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Or you can find our show on Twitter at www.theshortgame.net, where we have a feedback form. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. You can find our show on Twitter at The Short Game. That's, or excuse me, that underscore short game, because, of course, we couldn't get at short game because of the golf documentary. Thank you, golf documentary. Golf. Ugh, golf. Golf. And you can find our feedback form and all the other ways to get in touch with us at www.theshortgame.net. We love to hear from you. And if you have recommendations on games that we should check out, we also love to hear those. Thanks again to Christian for writing into the show. Christian's website, uh, IG Enthusiast or indie game enthusiasts will be in the show notes. Thanks again to Christian for writing in. Uh, I had definitely never heard of Momodora, the whole series, uh, until he wrote in and let us know to check out this game. So thanks again, Christian. And we'll catch you next week on another episode of The Short Game.